0: Every American citizen must have an equal right to vote.
1: Administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility.
0: Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Hi, welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk in Boone County, and with me is my co-host.
1: Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri.
0: And today we're really excited to talk about voter list maintenance, and we have Erica Haas and Shane Hamlin from ERIC to talk about what exactly they do, how states participate in this kind of cross-state match process, and how local election authorities can benefit and leverage participation in it. So thank you both for being here. First question, how did both of you end up working in elections in the first place, and how have you gotten to ERIC since then?
2: So I uh, my background is in software development, and I predominantly, before ERIC and before even in elections, I did county-level software and, and some state consulting around Y2Ks really when uh, things got big with state consulting. So that's my background. And uh, at the time, way back before Hava, I worked for a small software company that was basically the outsourced IT for a mid-sized county here in Oregon. I live in Oregon. And I was kind of a firefighter floater. I just did whatever bugs needed done on whatever products that happened to be out there. Um, and one time, uh, Val Unger in Polk County, Oregon said that the ballot style generation and the custom voter registration software that they had was just too slow. It took 15 minutes. That's just not acceptable. And I got to sign that bug and that was the start of this journey. So I ended up, you know, working on bugs for that product whenever they came up and they were pretty small. It was a pretty modest little piece of software, but that became when HAVA came around, there was several companies that joined together to respond to some of the RPs and the first one being here in Oregon for us. And that product, if you look at the front page of it that's now in use in several states, uh, it is the same screen layout as that original piece in Polk County, Oregon that I got to work on. So um, that got built out into a full-fledged election system demo with lots more modules, but I still have paper drawings of those original screens. So we got to help bid on the statewide voter registration system here in Oregon. Um, And it's fun, uh, a little piece of that So, you know, we frantically put together this demo, we're presenting it, we had a bug in the morning. So the lunchtime, I was frantically fixing this bug to represent it in the afternoon. And uh, I got a vending machine ham sandwich. And we do the presentation, we're feeling good about it. And the next day, I'm like exhausted. I've been doing 90 hour weeks, this crazy time, feel very good. My husband was leaving to go camping, I was supposed to go with him, and I didn't feel good. And I, I was like, ah, and we realized, I'm pregnant. (laughs) So it was not the ham sandwich. So my daughter is my perfect mark in time. She's now 17. So I know exactly how long I've really been in statewide election systems. Um, We eventually got the bid. She became the darling of all the Oregon County clerks because I was pregnant through the beginning of the process. So they all kind of went through that with me. And I still, you know, as I see them, they ask about her. So, I worked on that product for quite a while, for several years. Um, Ultimately, that company kind of broke apart. And so, I was back at my small software doing support for counties. I'm still really connected to the Oregon County Clerks. And still friends with folks at the Secretary's office that I had worked with on the project and um, was starting to be interested in doing more project management. And it just turns out that the person they needed someone to actually manage the statewide voter registration system. And I was still friends with um, the folks over there at the secretary's office. And they were like, wait, you'd be perfect for that job. And I'm like, wait, I would be. Ultimately, I applied for that and, and went to work for the state for about five years. At that time, that's when Pew was. Having these various work groups about like what what how would we reimagine elections and voter registration and and uh, ultimately I got to be in, in in on part of that and where this idea for Eric started it wasn't called Eric at the time but I got to be involved in some of those um, as a subject matter expert for some of those um, and I really drank the Kool Aid pretty early on uh, there was several of us who realized well Pew doesn't really have like technical people that are that you know do it projects so there's not a business analyst there's not really kind of this requirements gathering happening i think we should do that and so we just did we started conducting our own conference calls he was like what are you doing but we thought this was really going to be a great thing and i jokingly say that it is named eric as a subtle homage even though it's completely made up but that it was named after me um, because it just works out so fun to have my mnemonic now as erica eric so Ultimately, you know, I got to work on it in the early stages, even though Oregon wasn't an original state. We were, you know, one of the original contributors. And then when they were looking for the first staff member for Eric just was a logical choice. It took a long time to make that decision at the time. uh, Shane was actually our board chair. So he was involved in, in making the pitch to me and I waffled back and forth because I had such a great thing at the Oregon secretary's office. I loved my Oregon clerks, um, but ultimately I finally made the leap and it has been amazing. I've been here eight years. My requirement was that my employee number is number one because I was here even before we had an executive director. So I got to have those kind of liberties, but it's super fun. And I, I love that I just get to work with data. All day long. That's completely my jam, that I get to do something that I feel is important to, you know, our democracy. You just can't get that um, in every IT job you get. So I feel super fortunate to get to the work, do the work I do.
1: So real quick, I think here in Missouri, our statewide voter database is modeled on that Oregon one, is it not?
2: It is. It is the elective system. So it was Sabre was the point company eventually became ads eventually became hp um i was partnered with them when they were Sabre. so yeah i have hand-drawn screens of the products you use maybe curse has been around a long time it's definitely showing its age but yeah i got to work on the bones of that (laughs) system that was it's in about eight or nine states uh, still
1: wow that's amazing
3: (laughs) so i got my start in elections like nearly everyone else by happenstance being in the right place at the right time, I guess, but not knowing what would lie ahead. It was 2001. I had been working in the Washington state legislature for a few years for a member, but I was eager to get back into policy work. I would worked on higher ed policy before working for a member. And there was an opening for a research analyst position in, the, in a caucus and it was general government, which did not sound very exciting, but it was a foot in the door. And I applied and I got the position You know, we're heading into the 2001 session. There was a lot of conversation at the federal level in Congress about the 2000 presidential election. You know, some form of federal reform was likely. I don't think HAVA existed as the Help America Vote Act. There were a number of proposals, though, in the field and being discussed and debated. But largely, our state was, um, we weren't even thinking about implementing anything yet. And so I got the assignment as the new policy analyst. And I think everyone thought it was going to be pretty sleepy, boring. Uh, committee assignment, give it to the, you know, it's t- sort of the traditional entry point in as a research analyst. But a couple of months into the 21 or 2001 legislative session, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the blanket primary system that California was using at the time and that they had modeled on Washington State's blanket primary was unconstitutional, that it infringed on political parties' right of association and their right to choose their standard bearer. And that threw Washington's blanket primary, which at that point was about 80 years old. It threw it out, basically. Uh, the political parties immediately brought a lawsuit. They hated the blanket primary, and the suddenly the legislature was faced with the challenge of finding a constitutionally valid primary that was as close, something as close as possible to our you know beloved, cherished blanket primary as possible. And it became one of the hottest topics of that legislative session. And as the new analyst, I was thrust into the world of primary systems, analyzing and looking at primaries used across the country in various states. And while Hava and Bush v. Gore decision was going on and all of that at the federal level, at the state level, what we really cared about is how are we going to nominate candidates in the future in a way that our voters will respect? We had no voter registration in Washington, no party affiliation in Washington. You could vote for a Democrat in one office and a Republican in another. And our voters loved that and they hated what happened there were they were so angry angry at California (laughs) for copying it and then the political parties you know successfully getting it tossed out and so that was the focus for that full full session is is finding a new primary and um, I loved it it was very interesting primary systems nominating processes it gets deep into political science actually as well as constitutional law and uh, the nuts and bolts of you know how we select candidates that ultimately end up on the general election ballot it was very interesting I was very happy to be there. And it also shined a bright light on subjects that were generally, I mean, elections just wasn't a hot topic in the legislative process at the time. Stayed in there. And of course we had to implement HAVA the following session. And I just kept getting deeper and deeper into the nuts and bolts and developing relationships with county auditors. Because, you know, I was that kind of analyst that would engage with them and make sure the legislation, you know, they were briefed on it. We had their input, uh, working closely with the secretary of state, of course, all, all the time. And a few years later in 2004, there was an opening in the Secretary of State's office in the Voter Education and Outreach Program, basically being responsible for the voter pamphlet and all the voter education programs. And I was ready to transition out of sort of the partisan work in the legislature and, and do program work. I, was, I just entered an MPA program and I, I wanted to get into programs and managing people. And I jumped at that opportunity, you know, ran and directed the 2004 voters pamphlet for the state. And a few months into that job, uh, the legislative liaison for the secretary of state uh, resigned and Sam Reed asked me to be his legislative liaison. And I said, yes, except I didn't know that a month later we'd have one of the most historically close governor's races in U.S. history with candidate uh, Dino Rossi and Gregoire separated by uh, fewer than 130 votes. And we would have an election contest that would drag that governor's race into the spring of 2005 before it was settled. And that legislative session, we had over 60 election reform bills, 10 of which were ours to manage complete rewrites of the election code. In some cases, I think we adopted over 350 rules coming off of that legislative session. So just deeply immersed and fell, you know, totally fascinated and in love with the subject of elections. Stayed in, in that ele- position for a few years and then went into the went back into the elections division as the assistant director of elections. We had just launched online voter registration, only the second state in the country to do that at this time. And that's when Pew, we started working with Pew. They did some research on our rollout of, of OBR, got to know David and Sam and others at Pew. And we were invited to participate in this voter modernization work group, which eventually led to the creation of ERIC. It wasn't the intent of this group to land on ERIC or design it, but that's ultimately what came out of that work group. And here I am. 20 years later after after getting that assignment in elections. And I love it. I took a short break to do some budget and work for our governor, but I missed elections dearly. And and as soon as this position came up and when John Limback retired, I jumped right on it and and worked hard to to get here back in Eric and, and running Eric.
0: Both of you are obviously fully immersed in what Eric really is. Can you explain what actually it does?
3: Sure. Before I explain what it does, Al, I'll explain what it is for those that might not fully understand it. And this is also a good way to maybe address some misconceptions. So ERIC is a nonprofit, nonpartisan membership organization. States choose to join ERIC. And when they do, they designate a member representative. The chief elections official designates, typically it's the director of elections, to sit on our board of directors. We are run by a board of directors, by our member states. They set their annual dues were funded by dues paid by the states and a one-time joining fee. So we are funded and governed by our members. They're the bosses, the secretaries or the, the executive director of a state board. Those are our bosses. We started with seven states in 2012, and we're up to 30 states plus the District of Columbia. And we are talking to a few other states now. And what we do essentially is when, you, when a state joins Eric, they agree to submit to us voter registration and data related to voter registration from the DMV on a regular basis, at least once every 60 days. And then we use that data, both from the state and from all the states, to produce a variety of reports that our members can then use to keep their voter rolls more accurate and up-to-date. And at different times in election cycle, prior to each federal general election, reach out and contact individuals who appear to be eligible but are not registered to vote and give them information on how to register so those list maintenance reports are really about keeping the voter rolls accurate and up to date and protecting the integrity of the process but also that other piece of providing voter registration information to unregistered individuals so that access piece so that accuracy and access when we were designing and building eric within that work group that pew was leading we really wanted something once we once we realized we were going to build something like eric it became very important to the election administrators around the table that we didn't just build something that would only be used to update records or remove voters. If the technology allowed us to actually register new voters and expand the franchise, we wanted to do that too. We wanted a balanced tool that would offer something to appeal to people across the political spectrum, both those that are concerned you know, mostly about the integrity of the rules, but also to those who are concerned about you know, in growing the franchise. So you give us data. We analyze it in a really sophisticated data matching engine, and we also have Social Security death data. And we give you back reports that help you identify voters who've moved within your county, moved maybe across the state or from one jurisdiction to another, moved from one ERIC member state to another ERIC member state. You act on those reports in accordance with state and federal list maintenance laws. You tell us that you've done that within a certain period of time, sort of an internal accountability piece. That's how it works, and ideally, you do that as frequently as your elections calendar, and your bandwidth, and your funding allows.
1: I think Missouri joined Eric 2018, and as a local election administrator, I have loved the tools that Eric provides us. You know, prior to Eric, you know, contacting other states to see if somebody was registered in another state, using you know incomplete state-level data for potential death matches and things like that, and Eric has just, I think, made our voter list maintenance so much more robust, at least in in my experience, but Shane, one thing you uh, mentioned that I think is so unique about Eric is that there was this intention to make Eric appeal to folks of different political persuasions, and it's interesting when I talk to groups and organizations and I talk about Eric you know, I might start talking about one aspect of it, and you see their faces kind of cringe up. And then I talk about another aspect of it, and they kind of smile. It's one of the few things in our society or politics, whatever, that seems to have some kind of cross partisan appeal. And I wonder if that has been your experience when you go to potential states uh, to try to get them signed on to Eric that, you know, it doesn't run into the same kind of partisan roadblocks that other things might yeah that has been my experience and
3: it's interesting when I talk to states I usually can get a sense pretty early on what part they're most interested in and I will talk about that in some detail but I'm always, I'm never you know shy about being clear that that this is a balance that our mission is balanced both helping you maintain accurate roles but also registering new voters and you know their questions will often reveal what they're most interested in or what they may not understand as well um, but all of the states that have joined ERIC have fully embraced both aspects of our mission. You know, whether it's Missouri led by a Republican secretary, or Connecticut or Rhode Island led by Democratic secretaries, everyone appreciates the dual mission. Secretary Payton Iowa has talked about the importance of registering new voters. So while uh, registering new voters might might appeal to one side of the spectrum more than others, the mission, from my experience, fully embraced by all of our members, by the leaders in all of our states. But sure, there are individuals who are more interested in maintaining integrity and ensuring only eligible voters are on the rolls, and there are those who are interested in ensuring that that process doesn't kick anyone off the rolls who shouldn't be kicked off, and they're interested in registering new voters.
1: You know, there there has been much controversy around the uh, the interstate cross check, which you know Missouri was you know a member of for a while. And uh, without getting into the nitty gritty of that whole thing, is it a challenge for you to Explain to people the difference between Eric and and that cross check system or other things that may have existed in the past? It's pretty easy to distinguish between the two. And when cross check
3: was up and operating, I often had to explain the difference between the two. And they really were different tools designed to do different things. Eric is about providing continuous, ongoing list maintenance and new voter registration activity in sort of close to real time or in active time, we'd provide you with reports, you act on them and you, you know, continuously, routinely throughout the year over the course of a four year election cycle. It's a proactive tool, if you will. The cross check program was about looking back at a point in time to determine who may have been registered in more than one place. And so it was, it was sort of a tool that you would use reactively after an election, different purpose completely. Yes, it could be used to do some list maintenance, but because of the way that it was designed and the way that it worked and the way that it was run, well, it wasn't a proactive tool. And it could be a bit of a challenge, I think, at times for election officials to use because the way it was designed. I never thought of us as competitors, never compared the two. Just a different tool.
2: From the the technical side of things, you know, it is a bit of a different animal because it kind of illustrates that our matching is different, right? We're not taking one voter record, another voter record, just looking at those two things. Um, Our matching is really based on having a lot of information and being able to use the entire set of information to make decisions. So it's called entity relationship. And it's it's really much more robust. And I think one of the places it's easiest um, illustrated is in the death master data. And I think you kind of mentioned this earlier, it's kind of the, the most simple explanation. So many voter registration systems collect either the driver's license or the last four SSN. And so most people have a license. They, they give that information. Um, so like 80% of the records have driver's license numbers on them and only about 20% have last four SSN. So if you were to purchase the social security death master data yourself, that would give you name, date of birth, full SSN and really nothing else. It doesn't have address or anything. And so only about 20% of your records can you even get that third data point to match. But when we have voter registration and DMV data, and that voter registration and the DMV record are pretty tightly bound, because they've got a driver's license number on it, they probably have the same or similar name in that, all of a sudden you have social security number that you're able to marry those things up in a way more robust way. So similarly with the you know, the differences between us, we have all that underlying DMV data that really helps us. And especially now that we've been going for such a long time, we have historic data. So we have name changes. Um, One of the most interesting things I get to see is when we are giving, we're presenting a match and the name looks entirely different. And we get questions about that. But thankfully, we've been able to show like, well, There's actually a name change on the DMV record, and that's your system of identity, right? People have to present more documentation to the DMV. And so, you know, we do a ton of hand verifications, um, and we actually look at those pretty closely. And so if we can see that there's a name change on a DMV, that feels like a really solid thing to us. Versus, you know, we all know the data entry happens, one voter record gets overwritten with another person. It's a little different with the DMV record. So by having this robust, rich set of data, we're able to do much more sophisticated matching than we can if you're just going this voter to that voter. And I think that part helps us have quality matches that, you know, as Shane said, I also didn't ever view us as competitors, but I know even in Oregon, when I was working with that data, it was tough because you'd have only a few data points. You weren't really sure it was a match. Most of the records, of course, they don't have the same address because they're in different states. Um, You just have name, date of birth, and last for SSN, and you can have legitimate people with the same information. So it, it was tough we're able to fill in those gaps. Um, And like Shane said, we did it proactively. We're always trying to, you know, get your data as accurate as it can be before the election, which can help the voter, right? They can show up and their information is already there.
0: This whole concept of voter registration data kind of speaks to you're working with states and in many states, the county clerks, the local election authorities, the ones actually handling the data and making these updates when you work with these states and they are coming on board, what do the local election authorities need to know about a state that joins into the ERIC system?
3: That is a great question. When we're talking with states that are interested in membership and we're doing a membership overview, which is a presentation we've now given many times, we spend time on exactly that issue. And I have a slide for states uh, where I focus on preparation that needs to happen between the state and local election officials. And some points that I always make I I really encourage the state to start early and engage your local election officials. In fact, uh, ideally, before they even start talking to us, they've already talked to their local election officials. They've explained what ERIC is, why they want to join, so that there are no surprises. And then we encourage them to have a really deep conversation with locals about the responsibilities of ERIC. Who, who's going to be responsible for what? Meaning, how is the data that ERIC's going to provide get to whoever is responsible for acting on it? And it can vary by state. But it's typically you know, the county or the municipality uh, or the parish uh, that's responsible for maintaining the voter records, especially in a more bottom-up states. Um, but even in, in most states, it's still the local election official that's responsible. We talk about the format for how the data is going to get to the locals how it's gonna be acted on in compliance with state and federal law, data reporting on, on what happens to those records back to ERIC, and then making sure that they work through all of the things that need to be resolved and decisions that need to be made around the mailing. We have two report guides that we provide to the states. These are six, seven, eight page documents with some of the most common considerations, decisions that need to be thought through, decisions that need to be made and ideally, these are worked through in consultation with local election officials. We know it, Eric, and I say this in every presentation uh, that I do outside of these membership overviews, the local election officials in our uh, 31 members are the ones who make Eric work. The thousands of election administrators on the front lines are the ones that make Eric work. I and mean, we've identified in the last nine years that we've existed almost 17 million record updates. I'm talking about deceased, in-state, cross-state, duplicate registrations, almost 17 million. You know, working those records is in the hands of the locals. You're, you are the ones making it happen and making Eric a success in your state. You know, we so appreciate that because we wouldn't probably still be here and growing if it wasn't from the support and the work of local election officials do. We know going in, we're very honest. I mean, Eric is an extra workload you're getting something from that you don't have now. And while we all agree that it adds value to the quality of our elections, the integrity of our elections, expanding the franchise, it's an additional workload and it has additional cost impacts as well. So we try to make sure that our members know coming in, you've got some work to do with the locals. My favorite is when I talk to a state and I ask them if they've talked to their locals and they say, well, actually we're talking to you because our locals want us to join Eric. They've talked to their you know, colleagues across state lines or they were at this conference and they heard about ERIC and they really want us to join ERIC. That's my favorite. And I've, we've had a few states that have come to us and like our locals have been asking for this for years. It is time to do this. So you're right that the locals locals are, are an important part of this. And we emphasize that when we're talking with states that wanna be a part
1: of ERIC. So one, I'm kind of wondering since it is the local election official that is the end user of ERIC, have you all ever considered a user group or uh, trying to gather feedback from locals in some way? And which leads into my kind of the second part of my question, and that's if you were to gather feedback or survey responses or something like that, I wonder if you would find that the way certain states implement Eric and transfer the data to their to their localities leads to better or worse implementation. I will say we have
3: talked about user groups. I think initially for us, it's, it's a bit of a bandwidth issue. You have two of the three Eric staff on this
0: interview right now.
3: We have Sarah Witt, who uh, works with Erica to provide the report. So somewhat of a bandwidth issue and we've been focused on growth, but we're certainly at a point where we have had multiple internal conversations about user groups and the need to have that as a way to communicate with and collect information and, and have a good exchange of information back and forth. Then the second part of your question. The variation from state to state in how ERIC is used and how list maintenance co- is conducted is really important to highlight. Every state subject to the National Voter Registration Act has to have a list maintenance program. And really, the, that NDRA sets a floor for list maintenance. And states can overlay additional requirements and processes as long as their program is uniform and non discriminatory. And what we've learned is there are differences from state to state. There's differences in terminology, there's differences in systems capabilities, there's differences in responsibility, and that makes it a challenge for us to have good insight into how ERIC is used state-to-state and how successfully it's being used or effectively it's being used.
2: User groups, is, that's one of the things that I love the most about getting to uh, do my job. Um, in general, like being being a technologist who actually is pretty social, that's kind of unusual. One of my favorite things that when I was at the Oregon secretary's office was being the person responsible for our statewide voter registrations user group. So that is, I think, a gold standard in how systems work well, right? is talking to the people who actually do it. So I would love to get there. It is absolutely a bandwidth thing. And also, you know we get the data out there we don't actually even hear a ton from our states about what happened with it Um, other than yes we processed it in good time right that gets the box checked but we don't end up hearing a ton about it so i would actually hugely value that kind of um, information and we get bits of it, you know, usually when there's a question or, you know, like right now, actually, like I mentioned, one of those where you've got completely different names. Uh, there was a question from a county, and so I'm like, oh, this is a perfect chance. Can you check in with your DMV to, you know, test our assumption that a name change in the DMV is more, you know, carries more weight, so things like that. So I would love to do that. As Shane said, we're kind of at a transition point, we're not so focused on growth that we're able to spend some time thinking about best practices, because now there are different practices to even compare against each other where before all of us were trying to figure it out, it was just so new. Before COVID hit, we were starting to imagine something like an ERIC Summit. Is it time to you know, gather some people together, um, both at state and local to share ideas, get feedback from each other. Uh, We are starting to, at least at a state level, collect some really high level questions of like, who is responsible for what? Um, Because it is different across states. And so where the counties are handling the cross-state information versus the state, we can start to at least ask into that and start gathering input from the people who are actually doing the work. And, you know, your second part question is absolutely hitting the nail on the head. The implementations definitely vary. So I think that's, uh, an important place for us to be understanding more and being able. To, I mean, one of the things I always imagined for Eric, you know, we're a unifier. We're a place where you can gather together to share ideas. That was one of the things I found most valuable when Pew was doing those first things that led to Eric was getting the people who weren't necessarily just the election directors in the room. Right when you got some IT, I mean, this was actually way back to, I think we called it GeekNet from Pew, where they gathered together where like um, the voter information project and those things came out of, we got the, the IT folks in this at the same table and you get us talking about geeky things and we will, I mean, that's so energizing. And that's what I imagined for Eric from the beginning is like, this is the place to share ideas. This is the place to learn from each other. I still do imagine that Eric could play a role in other shared projects, and, and that is about talking to each other and giving that space to happen.
0: There's NAS and there's other groups that people become members of. It It seems unusual to have a nonprofit that is joined by the state and it doesn't matter if the secretaries of state switch out, the elections directors switch out, they are still part of Eric. Have you had any instances where you've had new folks come in and say, we don't wanna be doing this anymore. And, or have you had instances where you've seen less compliance out of new, and you don't have to like name anybody, but have you had instances where (laughs) there has been poorer compliance than there has been? And what do you do when that poor compliance comes up?
3: Mm -hmm. We've been very fortunate that as there have been changes at the senior, you know, at the secretary level or at the executive director level of the state boards, that you know there there have been no states that have have wanted to leave eric even in partisan changes from democrat to republican or republican to democrat and i think that's a testament you know to our bipartisan mission or our nonpartisan mission as well as the quality of the data that we provide and our reputation among election officials at the highest level so within the nas organization the national association of secretaries of state when you have 30 members, many of whom are secretaries in that association and they're talking about ERIC, that's good. That, I think that helps prevent what you described. And then I think that this governance model is really the real innovation of ERIC. Like the technology that we use existed before ERIC, it just wasn't applied in this sector. The entity resolution, which is a technical term, or the data matching tool that we use had been in use in the private sector and banking and the casino industry and i mean it was developed for other purposes but it was applicable here so the technology is fascinating and it was new to elections and it's cool to talk about totally geek out on it but i i often feel like the real innovation was the creation of this model where states would agree to share data and work collaboratively regardless of party. Regardless of who was in charge, they would commit to this membership agreement and these bylaws for the good of everyone, for the good of the voters, the voting experience, for the good of the process and integrity and accuracy, for the good of registering new voters. And they would work collaboratively. They would pay and support this and that they would govern it. They would commit to being on a board and and looking out not just for their interest as a member, but for the interest of the organization. That's the true innovation here in my mind. And there isn't anything else like it that I am aware of. It's not a compact, meaning it's not in state law. We didn't follow that model. We followed truly an independent 501 c 3 model. That's I think the cool thing about Eric. And it allows us to maintain that nonpartisan. And really the people at the table are the professionals. They care about the nuts and bolts. It's not through the lens of you know, partisan politics that they come to the table to, to help govern Eric.
2: I'm always joking that we're trying to be boring boring list maintenance, boring yep. outreach, like this is just data analysis. You know, it's every girl's dream to just go out to be boring.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean we're a good government tool. I've used that. We don't want to be flashy. We want to perform our mission routine, mundane list maintenance. It's vital. It's voter registration is the foundation of elections. We want to help you all maintain accurate roles and do good voter re- run with good voter registration programs. We wanna be a good government tool for you to do that.
0: What advice do you have for local election authorities to either those of us that are already in the system and you know maybe trying to work it better or places that don't have this already and want to try to get their state on?
3: Always ask questions of the state and or reach out to us if you have questions and don't be afraid to ask questions. Also, if you have the bandwidth and the capacity, I know there's a cost here as well as a staffing issue, encourage your state to use ERIC as often as your elections calendar will allow. Election databases, as we know, voter databases are dynamic. They're changing constantly. They're only as accurate as the last time you did anything to update the data because people move every day and die every day. I would, I would encourage you to make the best use of your Eric membership by taking the reports as frequently as you can. And I just recently did this push with the members to level up their membership. So do that if you can. And then to the extent that you can make processes more efficient through any tools or functionalities that you have in your voter database, do it. And if you're thinking about new databases, ask for enhancements that will make it easier to manage the Eric reports.
2: If you want to talk about it at your conferences, both of us really enjoy talking about this. This is probably evident by this conversation. You know, I'm happy to talk through things and especially, you know, like some kind of work group or if you have a space where you're looking at your system, maybe you're looking at an enhancement to your system and maybe you're looking at some kind of queuing function. I'm happy to sit in on those and brainstorm with you. I mean, that's my foundation is, is developing, creating, things, technical tools to help. And I love doing that. So we are always happy to engage at the local level too when we get the opportunity to. So uh, bring us in, let's talk about it if you have the chances to do that. Um, Of course, we're gonna loop in your state folks because those are our direct contacts, but um, that's what we're encouraging all the time. Make sure you're, you're working with your locals on how to use this data effectively because they're the ones who actually know. So we're absolutely happy to engage.
1: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of High Turnout Wide Margins. A big thanks to Shane Hamlin, Erica Haas from Eric for being our guest today. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you listen again to High Turnout Wide Margins.